Before we jump in, I had to let you know that the doors are now open for the group coaching Stress to Joy Transformation Program. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I've been working one-on-one with women to help them live less stressed, more joy-filled lives. Now I am so excited to offer a group coaching experience with the Stress to Joy Transformation Program that incorporates community support. You don't have to keep wandering endless circles of frustration depleted from life's constant state of overwhelm. Instead, you can join the group coaching Stress to Joy Transformation Program and see how much more God has in store for you. Grab one of the limited spots so you can learn the exact strategies and tools I've used to create a life joy in one I love without the constant state of overwhelm. Rid yourselves of the thoughts of one day and say yes to the life of joy at your fingertips. And I can tell you it is a joyful life. If you are interested in being part of this life-propelling program, go to bit.ly slash stress to joy today. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash stressed T-O joy today. Group coaching starts the first week of April, so don't wait or you will miss out on that less stressed life you've been dreaming of. So she knew that the hospital would not let her in without shoes on her feet. So I quit, kicked off my sandals and put them in one hand, grabbed her by her arm, ran with her to the door and she hopped in just as the van was pulling away. I went, oh, I get it. Love is kind. Love is kind. So I know that I'll never see Natalie again. I'll never get my sandals back again. I never will. But I would give my sandals up every day for the next however many years of my life if it meant that Natalie could be with Christopher, with her grandson. So love that is kind is doing kind things, showing kindness, being kind with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Welcome to the Faith Inspire podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. Come on, let's get it. What is love? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it a thing? Cultural and life experiences can skew our vision and definition of love, and we can question the true meaning. After life threw a few curveballs, Kim Sorrell questioned what love really meant. So she devoted a year in search of the true meaning of love, and she found it. And now she is on mission to change the world with the power of love. In this episode, Kim shares her sometimes funny, sometimes scary, and enlightening journey that led to life-changing discoveries found mainly on the streets of Haiti. My conversation with Kim opened my eyes to what it means to cultivate a life of love like 1 Corinthians 13. And I know you will walk away with a new perspective and deeper understanding too. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast, Kim. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I've been looking forward to this and meeting you, and it's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have you on today. Our topic, what we're going to be talking about, is love. 
you wrote a book that is titled Love is a Year-Long Experiment of Living Out 1 Corinthians 13 Love, which chronicles your year of figuring out what that four-letter word really means. And so I'm so interested to dive into that and really find out what you learned. But before we do that, can you just get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I have businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 18, married the man of my dreams, started having kids a couple years after we got married. And I have five kids and I have 11 grandkids. Um, I love Jesus and I am passionate about what I do, about sharing love with the world. I love everybody always. And I love black licorice. I love that. I was not expecting <laughs> expecting that last one. And I love black licorice too. Thank okay. you. Not many people do. So yes, we have that going for us. <laughs> so let's dive into that story of a year of finding out what love is. What prompted you to take that full year discovering what love is? Well, I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago with breast cancer. And four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he passed away six weeks after that. And for whatever reason, a lot of reasons, I just questioned love, the true meaning of love. The Bible says in John, it says God is love. But what does that mean if we don't know what love really is? And it seems to be misinterpreted. There seems to be this mystery. I don't know. So I just thought, I'm going to figure it out. I wanted to make sure I was living the rest of my life the way I should and honoring my husband that way. And so I decided I would dedicate a year to search for it. And I used 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, etc. And I decided I would take one word a month and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And most of the time that I was working on it, I was in Haiti. So that kind of lent a different um, atmosphere, I guess, to doing it. And the things I found out blew my mind. Like, I am so excited to share what I know with the world. Because if we all lived in this kind of love, the kind of love that God is, we would all be doing better and we'd have a better place to be. So what did you find out? What surprised you about love? My word, there's so much that surprised me about love. (laughs) There are things that we believe about love that are not love. There are myths about love that we think are common knowledge about love, but aren't really love. But one of the things that I found out about love is that it is not a two-way street. You know, so often we hear that, right? Love is a two-way street, but but it's not. It's it's one way. And you go the other way, you're gonna get in a crash. It is a one-way street. Love, period. It's up to you to love. If I give you money and you give me a pair of jeans, that's a transaction. If I give you love to get love, that's a transaction. And love is not a transaction. You only control yourself. You only have control over what you do, the love that you live in. You have no control over what comes back to you. You know, it's, it's marvelous in that Things are set up in a way that when you give love, quite often you do give love back. But that's not why you love. You love because that's what we're commanded to do. And that's what love is. Love just gives. 
Mm. Yeah, I think, like you said, we have just have, especially in America, have such a different view and we're told differently of how to view love. And so thank you for putting that picture in our mind and correcting us a little bit in that thinking. Out of all those months that you were there and you're you're going through first Corinthians 13 and doing, you know, love is patient, love is kind, what type of love will say did you draw closer to the most? Or maybe there was a couple of them. What were those like big aha moments and which one really opened your eyes the most? They all opened my eyes. I I figured out quickly that you put love is or love is not in front of anything and it changes the meaning of the word. So right from the very beginning, love is patient was way different than what I thought it was going to be. Love is kind. I mean, all of them. There's one that I was nervous about doing and it's love doesn't keep a record of wrongs because I thought, well, you might forgive people, but we don't forget the things that happen to us. And that month, I was looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. And it always took me to the end of the month for God to hit me over the head with something and finally realize, ah, that's what it is. But that particular month, there were a group of men that asked me to show them this water project that I was working on in Haiti. And so there were eight men that came from the U.S. and then two of my Haitian friends, also men, came with us and we went out to the countryside and we were going to install these water filters And when we got there, we saw just this little building with two rooms. And each room had four twin-size beds. So eight American men, two Haitian men, and me. But we brought a couple cots with us, and we brought an air mattress. So I'm thinking, oh, there's room in the room. We'll make it work. Well, the head of the American men pulled me over. He's like, Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. So I walk over, and he said, did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, buddy, there is nothing else to see. I mean, this is a little place. And then I thought, oh, he's asking me because he's going to think I want my own room. So I'll say, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, oh, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And then I'll say, well, I don't mind if there's other people in my room. And he'll say, well, that's good because there's only so much space. So I said, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because we've got men on our trip that would not be comfortable with a woman in their room. And I'm thinking, what just happened? You know, that did not go the way I planned it. But I said I would do it, so I had to figure it out. And there are tarantulas and snakes and chupacabras or whatever's lurking in the bushes of Haiti. And I'm thinking, I have to sleep outside with this stuff. But I saw this piece of plywood, and it was kind of held up by these two wooden structures. So I thought, well, if I put the air mattress underneath there, at least I won't get wet if it rains. So first night I went to bed and scared about going to bed (laughs) because I did, I'm just not a fan. Snakes and spiders, just, I'm not a fan. So I went to bed and my air mattress held air for about an hour. And then I was sleeping on gravel, laying on gravel. And it was so loud because horns were honking and dogs were barking. And finally that died down. And then like 2 a.m. or so, voodoo drums started in the distance, and that went for a couple hours. And then finally, I was able to doze off and get some sleep. Well, the first night came and went, and everything was fine. Second night, same thing. I'm on gravel, the dogs, the horns, the voodoo drums. Finally, I'm asleep. But I woke up because there was something on my leg. And I was scared to death. I thought, gosh, does 
Haiti have the anti-venom to whatever it is that's about to maim me? You know, can I be airlifted to Miami in time to save my life? Like, what, what is this? And so I, I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes and it was a chicken. It was a dang chicken on my leg. And I didn't know whether to be happy that it was a chicken and not something worse or mad because it woke me up from the little bit of sleep I was getting. Well, so the third night came and went, no problem. Fourth night, same thing, you know, the gravel, the dogs, the horns, the voodoo drums, finally I'm asleep. But again, I woke up because again, there was something on my leg. And again, I was scared to death. And again, I slowly lifted my head and slowly opened my eyes. And again, it was that darn chicken. And again, I didn't know whether to be mad or happy. I shooted away, tried to get some more sleep. And that night, we had chicken for dinner. So the fifth night came and went without incident. All was well. And I got to say, you know, I'm all about equality, but I am a woman. And there is a difference between men and women. And I was mad. I was bitter. I thought, what is with these guys? You know, I hope my sons wouldn't treat a woman like this. Like, I wasn't being treated as just a different gender. Like it was less than making me sleep outside. Like it's crazy. And then I realized, well, bitterness really only hurts me. They don't know I'm mad. You know, they don't know I'm like, I'm the one that volunteered to sleep outside, you know, so they don't know I'm upset. And then it occurred to me, I have been working on love that doesn't keep record of wrongs. And now I finally understood it. So yeah, we don't forget the things that happen to us. We don't forget. But the narrative changes. The tone changes. So instead of, oh my gosh, these rotten guys that did this rotten thing to me, it's this kind of funny story that I lived through. And now I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly fine. So that is love that doesn't keep record of wrongs. It just changes the narrative. Mm. So good. So, so good. I do have to ask the question. You mentioned the chicken. Did you eat the chicken that ended up on your leg? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the dinner on the fourth night. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was tasty. It was good. It was pretty good. <laughs> oh my goodness, that that's a story in itself, isn't it? There's got to be a double meaning to that somewhere in there. If we if we think more about that. Wow. How beautiful though. And God was teaching you so much in that moment, not just about the record of wrongs, but I mean, just lifelong lessons as you're, you're going through that. That's amazing. You mentioned other truths that you discovered, actually other myths about love. Like what are the truths that you discovered or maybe more myths that you discovered about love itself? Yeah. Well, one of the things is John says, God is love. Not that God loves but God is love. So love is something that you are, something that we are. It's not an emotion. You know, if we think of it as a feeling or an emotion that can come and go, but you don't hang love up when you get home or put it in the closet when you go to work. Love is with you always. You know, you watch a scary movie, you see something scary. That night you hear every creak and every bump, you know, whatever, but you don't live in that fear. You don't live in that. Fear is an emotion. But love is not. Love is all-encompassing. Love is who you are. How you decide to walk out that love is up to you. That's a good thing to know, that it's so much more than a feeling or an emotion. Especially in a society that's so emotionally driven. 
we're so emotionally driven and told to go off of our emotions nowadays and that, you know, that's what matters and to recognize that, you know, love is already in you and it's a choice on how you act it out or not. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think it messes with our brain when we don't recognize the truth of that because you fall in love with somebody and you fall in love with the person that they are. You fall in love with the person. And then you get married and he leaves his dirty underwear on the bathroom floor. And you're, do you love him anymore? Like, you know, you want to withdraw some love. Well, you didn't fall in love with the things he does. You fell in love with the person. So the underwear on the floor, that's something he did. It doesn't take away from who he is as a person. And so separating those things and realizing that those things don't matter, you know, it's his character. It's his faith. It's how much love he lives. You know, that's who you fell in love with. That's what you love. And so we often want to withdraw love. You think that we're taking it away or that we're falling out of love. Well, you don't fall on love. You know, you might get those butterflies in your stomach and it feels so good. And you know that that person is meant to be your person. And it's a wonderful, fabulous feeling that you want to last forever. And maybe it will, you know, you, you kind of get to pick how you feel and how much love you give and, and in the way that you do. But the reality is you, you love because you love, because that's what we're supposed to do. That's all we have to do. You know, we're commanded to love. That's what we're supposed to do and love everybody, which is interesting, right? Because how often do you hear someone say, oh, I love everybody. But those darn Republicans, or I love everybody, but those Democrats, right? Well, then you don't love everybody. Being a Democrat, a Republican, an Episcopalian, a Catholic, a whatever, those are labels we put on people. And those are clubs that maybe people are in. But that's not the person. You know, we love the person, the unique individual that God created in his image and beautifully and perfectly made. And whoever somebody wants to be, that's up to them. It's not our choice. If people want to believe different than us, great. But then have a conversation instead of a confrontation. And really listen. And it's amazing, but we can learn things. You know, none of us have the handle, as far as I know, none of us have the handle on all truth and everything that's right and perfect. And so it's good that we're not all the same. That's okay. People should be allowed to be who God created them to be. Yeah, we were all created in God's image. And we forget that so often because, like you said, we put these labels on each other. And God didn't call us to do that. He called us, as you said, to love one another. I'm so curious because you were in Haiti when you learned what love is and you learned how to really be love. Now that you're here living in America and you have those two totally culturally different situations, how have you seen that and how have you transferred that love? Well, it's interesting because, uh, yes, culturally so different, so completely different. But the reality is people are people all over the world. You know, I, I think about like the Mona Lisa. If it ever went up for sale, can you imagine? I, I don't even know how many millions and millions of dollars, right, that it would get. It's because it's one of a kind. It's a one of a kind masterpiece. 
And so are you. You are a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. There's nobody who's ever been exactly like you. There never will be anybody exactly like you. Nobody has walked in your shoes. But we do all walk on the same earth. And we are all equal because we are all created in God's image. And sometimes I think we forget that, like you said, and we forget about it for ourselves and how unique and incredible we are, how unique you were created to be and love ourselves. You know, we can be our worst critics. We can be so hard on ourselves. I think, especially as women, we look at somebody like you, Erica, who's so beautiful and go, why am I not that beautiful? You know, or look at somebody and think that they've got something you don't have. Well, look in the mirror. There's something special and incredible. Everything's special and incredible about you. It's good we don't all look the same. That's okay. How creative is our God that he has created us to be unique and different? I kind of think about it like uh, if you loved apple pie, you just loved apple pie, and somebody was going to give you this apple pie, this beautiful, beautiful apple pie that they worked so hard to make. And they made the crust, a homemade crust, not just made the crust, but they made the wheat that made the flour that made the crust. And they made the tree that grew the apple. They made the dirt that the apple tree grew on. All this created to make this beautiful, gorgeous apple pie. And if you were to say, "Mm, not my favorite, don't really like it. It's the same as saying, yeah, God, you made me this way. I'm not that wild about it. You could have done a better job. No, no, you are perfect just the way you are. You're created to be who you are created to be. And that is special and embrace it and love yourself. And when you do, then you also recognize the uniqueness of everybody else and appreciate that about them. And love really becomes love for everybody. Hmm. What practical actionable things do you say to yourself in those moments? Because, you know, we're all human and we have moments where we're just like, oh man, I'm really not good at that. Or, oh, I look terrible today or just whatever it may be. What do you do with yourself, with this knowledge, what you've experienced? What are some phrases or actions that you take to help correct yourself? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, we all have those days when our hair is just right. And then we have those days when our hair will do nothing, you know, but, <laughs> but it's, it's not about our hair to walk away from it, letting it be about our hair. Uh, it's not about that because it was so different than what I grew up with, what I knew, you know, what I was taught. It was so different. So I've had to practice a lot of it. Like I've had to put it into practice and really work at it to live love the way love is made to be lived. And, and part of that is realizing you're not your hair. <laughs> you know, when, when you want to look at your hair and, and be upset about a bad hair day, look at your heart. How much more important is your heart than your hair? Mm. How much more are you than your hair? You know, your hair is something physical on the outside. Put a hat on if that's what you need to do. But don't, don't dwell on stuff like that. Like, There's so much more to you than your hair or putting your mascara on just so or the clothes that are in your closet. You're so much more than that, so much deeper. And look at your heart and look in the mirror and go, wow, you know what? I'm going to do good things today. 
Like I, I'm going to make somebody's day. I'm going to make people happy. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live today. And it's not being upset about your hair. It is showing his love to everyone around you. And it says in the Bible, he cares about your heart. And so that's such a beautiful reminder of just look at your heart, not your hair, you know, that God doesn't care about your hair, any situation in your life. He just, he cares about your heart and how you react to it and how you're treating other people with love and how you're being his hands and feet here on earth and living that out. He doesn't care what you look like <laughs> as you're as you're doing it. My goodness, you could have a messy bun and no makeup and he'd be fine with that. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny. I had a situation not that long ago. I had to go to Philadelphia for a meeting and I flew in early. It was the meeting wasn't until the evening because I thought I'll walk through the city. So I flew out of my town early, early, early. So my hair was not looking so great. I didn't have much makeup on. I just kind of threw whatever comfortable, plain clothes on, you know, whatever. And I was walking the streets. And that day, I had three different men approach me and ask me out. Three, three. I never get anybody asking me out. And I had three in one day when I wasn't feeling, I'm thinking, what am I wearing? Do I need to wear this again? Like, how do I look different that three, three men would ask me out in one day? It was crazy. And then I thought, oh, you know, what an incredible lesson. Because it's not about what you wear. And it's not about how you think you look. It is about your heart. And when your heart is doing the things your heart is supposed to do, that's what shines through. I pray every day. I pray, Lord, let me see people the way you see them. And that's how God sees us, is our heart. Are there any other stories as you're thinking about Haiti or maybe here in America now after you've done your your year-long journey that you would want to share with the women who are listening to this podcast that really convey that overall message that you really want? If there's one thing that they could take away, one thing that you would want to put on their heart and print on their heart, what would that be either through a story or in general through your, your own words? Love is kind was a tough month for me. And I thought I knew kind, you know, we all know kind, we're kind. You say kind things, you do kind things for people, you know, we're, we're kind, people in general are kind. But I was thinking, what is love that is kind? And that month I went, it was at the end of the month, and there's a place I love to go in Port-au-Prince. It's called the Home for Sick Children. It's run by Mother Teresa's Order of Nuns, the Sisters of Charity. And I love to go there and go to where the babies are. And then find a baby to just spend the day with and hold and bathe or whatever, change diapers, feed, whatever that baby needs for the day. So I walked in and I saw this beautiful newborn laying in a crib, just sprawled out, like sinking into the mattress and this pink terry cloth sleeper. And I walked over to this beautiful baby and saw that. There was an IV, the oxygen going to his nose, and I wondered what his story was. And so I figured it out. There was a woman standing at the end of his crib, and that was his grandma. His name was Christopher, in the sleeper, probably worn by some beautiful little American girl and then donated, you know, to wherever. And Natalie, Christopher's grandma, was 
the mother of Christopher's mom, who died shortly after giving birth to Christopher on their one-room house with a dirt floor. And so Natalie loses her daughter and is taking care of this baby, and then he, he won't take milk. And she thought, well, maybe it's because it wasn't his mother's, and but things were just getting worse, and he was growing more lethargic. So she walked for miles. She walked for miles with that baby to get him to this place, to the Sisters of Charity, to try to find help for him. And they don't have a lot of medical equipment there, but they have a stethoscope. And, and the best they could figure was that he must have some abdominal obstruction, something probably in the United States that would be taken care of quickly. But in Haiti, there are few doctors and fewer hospitals and a little bit of money. Like she would never be able to afford an operation for Christopher. But we found a doctor that was willing to do the surgery. And so we thought this was going to happen, you know, that Christopher then would be taken to this hospital. Not that far away, but it's Port-au-Prince. It's so crowded, 2 million people with infrastructure for like 40,000. So going anywhere takes forever. Well, so as the day went on, Natalie and I just bonded and I just fell more and more in love with this baby. And at one point in time, he stopped breathing. So we all stopped breathing. And then we realized it was a kink in his oxygen tube. And so as soon as we unkinked it, he started breathing again. So we knew he needed oxygen to get to the hospital. He couldn't live without oxygen. And so I called everybody I knew in Port-au-Prince looking for a portable oxygen tank. You'd think that'd be so simple, a portable oxygen tank. Most of the people I called had no idea where to even go look for one. But some people did go look and nobody could find, in a city of 2 million people, a portable oxygen tank. So poor Natalie had to make the choice of, does Christopher stay there because now he can breathe, but he's going to die because he's not eating? Or do they take a chance and take him to the hospital and take a chance to get him there, but no oxygen on the way? And what is she going to do? And she knew that surgery was really her only choice. So they pulled a van up real close to the door, and one of the sisters grabbed his IV bag and scooped him up while the other one took the oxygen off of his face, and they ran for the door and were gone. And I turned around, and Natalie was still standing there. And I'm like, Natalie, go, go. I thought maybe she didn't know she could go with Christopher. And then she pointed down at her feet, and she had no shoes. So she knew that the hospital would not let her in without shoes on her feet. So I quick kicked off my sandals and put them in one hand, grabbed her by her arm, ran with her to the door, and she hopped in just as the van was pulling away. I went, oh, I get it. Love is kind. Love is kind. So I know that I'll never see Natalie again. I'll never get my sandals back again. I never will. But I would give my sandals up every day for the next however many years of my life, if it meant that Natalie could be with Christopher, with her grandson. So love that is kind is doing kind things, showing kindness, being kind with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Zero expectation. Like sometimes you hear people say, oh my gosh, they didn't even say thank you. Well, then that's not love that is kind. Maybe you did a kind thing. But if you're expecting something back, you were sick and you brought a casserole to your friend when they were sick. And where's your casserole? You know, where are they at your daughter's wedding? Whatever. 
Well, if you do something kind out of love, because that's what love does, love is kind, you have zero, zero expectation of getting anything in return. And it also occurred to me that, yeah, I gave Natalie my sandals, but what she gave me was so much greater. She never expected me to give her my sandals, give her anything. She expected nothing from me. But the gift she gave me that day, letting me share her grandson, sharing Christopher with me, I'll never forget Christopher. I'll never forget Natalie. And she did it with zero expectation of getting anything. And what an incredible act of kindness. What an incredible gift. Oh, man, I have tears in my eyes. Try not to ball here, Kim. <laughs> what a beautiful story and just Christ-like love there. Christ-like love is what I'm hearing, just that kindness and that love that is, yeah, God doesn't expect anything in return from us. You know, He gives everything to us as His children without expectation. I mean, He wants the glory to come back to Him and for us to worship Him, but even if we don't do that, I mean, He still loves us unconditionally with that agape love. And so as you're telling that story, that just, I think that's where the tears in my eyes are coming from is because like, that's the love God has for us. And so the best we can do is try to emulate that in our life with the people who are around us and be love, love with them. Thank you for sharing that story. Thank you so much. I would love for you to let the listeners know where they can connect with you and where they can find your book and purchase that and any other kind of offerings that you have for them. I'm sure there's many, many women who want to just reach out and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I hope so because I love people. I truly do love people. I love to connect and love to hear from people. And my name, I'm literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because my last name is obnoxious. It has way too many letters. There's two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. My website is kimsorrell.com. But Love Is is my book. And that's an easy title to remember. And I kind of feel like I did everybody's homework for them. Like you don't have to go live in Haiti for a year <laughs> to figure out the true meaning of love. So even just typing in Love Is chances are I'll come up somewhere and you'll find me. And on my website, I have a free 14-day love challenge that is completely free. Anybody's welcome to do it. And if you sign up for it on my website, then I will send you for free a WWLD, What Would Love Do, wristband. Because, you know, Jesus is different to everybody, even among Christians. We think of Jesus differently. You know, two people can can think of Jesus and one think of peace and love and kindness and joy and somebody else think about him tipping over tables, right? So Jesus is different to everybody, but love is universal and God is love. So if you can answer any question, what would love do? You're going to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. Oh, that's just so magnificent. I love that. I love that so much. We've talked a lot about love. And to me, God's love really brings me joy. And that's just a mission that I have here with women, helping them live less stressed, more joy-filled lives, because that's what the Lord wants. He doesn't want us to worry about the craziness, and He wants us to have more joy in our life and really focus on Him. So I want to know, what brought you joy today? 
Uh, well, you brought me joy today. Honestly, like I, you're fantastic and it's been so fun to talk to you. So you certainly brought me joy. I got a puppy shortly before Christmas. And uh, I got to say, Arlo, a six-month-old rescue who is so cute and good for a puppy. Like he goes to the bathroom outside. It's amazing. And uh, so Arlo brought me some joy today too. Oh, wonderful. That's fantastic. Uh, you were the first person who mentioned their dog, which is very, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> I hope to feel the same way about mine one day. <laughs> I say that jokingly. He's 13 years old and Brutus, I love you so very much. But yes, sometimes the children replace the dog if the dog came first. But yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I love that so, so much. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate you and sharing your experience of that year of love and your heart for love and the Lord. And I just know women are going to walk away from this podcast so inspired to be the hands and feet of Jesus a little bit more. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for what you do because you bring so much to so many. So thank you for that. Mm, Thank you. Appreciate you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Can you imagine if we lived as 1 Corinthians 13 tells us and as Kim experienced on the streets of Haiti? Our world would be a drastically better place and lives would be changed forever. It starts with each of us choosing to be patient when we want to run to the next thing, being kind without expectation, and walking through life honoring others above ourselves. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If this episode encouraged and inspired you, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.